demand. Welcome back to another season of the Nodcast. It might have taken us a little while to get going, but here we are. We're back. Footy's back. Round one is just behind us. So welcome to all of the listeners out there. Uh, I'm Steve Mann. I'm back for another season. Rob has joined me again. Rob, how are you? Thanks, Steve. Pretty pumped to to be back amongst it and a little bit lonely without one uh, one of our companions. Yes, well, that is the big news, the elephant in the room or perhaps the elephant out of the room, so to speak. Uh, we've, we're a man down. We've over, it's fair to say things, the wheels started falling off pretty quickly as soon as the season finished. He won the reverse raffle and really got a big head about himself and just st- stopped returning phone calls, left us on red on the message chat, really went Hollywood. And as it came time to sort of get the season going, very unfortunately, we don't have Sam Deegan with us. Yeah, and I, from my um, reading of the situation, it, it stems from that night where we had planned to fake that he would win the, the raffle and then when it backfired and he actually did win, a bit of trust was lost in the whole process. So, yeah, I'm not sure about Sammy at the moment. I understand that he's um, he's gone AWOL, but maybe we'll be able to track him down throughout the year, but we'll see. But I, our... Our replacement, I think, is far better. Uh, and well, yeah, looking we, forward to getting to know him a little bit more. We, we definitely will. I, I just before we do, I, I, I was going to save this for a whisper at the end, but I think I'm going to bring it up front because I think we're a very reputable and very honest nodcast, and it's not our way to sort of bury things to the back or sweep things under the rug. So, the the truth behind the Sam Deegan exit, um, despite you know what you may hear out there, is he asked for a lot of money. He said, I'm the star of the show. I'm not coming back again unless there's some big fat checks coming my way. And Don Barker wasn't prepared to come to the table and we find ourselves a podcast host down. Uh, so as Rob, you alluded to, we we said, well, let's go out and get someone far better. And we went back through the mailbags for last year. And when you go back and you check the analytics of which episodes were listened to, there was one sort of overwhelming person that when he was on, the listens went up. You know, there's a number of emails that came flying through asking to hear more of this person. And so we put the call out and he, after not too much interest, he actually managed to say yes. And so with that, we welcome the the new host or one of the new hosts. We, we might have some surprises up our sleeve this year, but we welcome Jake Charman. Jake, welcome to the Nodcast. Hi, Steve. Hi, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to being on the Nodcast for 2022 with you guys. That There's excitement is just there. coming right through, right from the get-go. Huge pause. I was like, he's well, disappeared. Yeah, he's I'll have to get the monotone. Yeah, the, the monotone voice is back with a vengeance. So, yeah, pretty keen for... To let everyone you know hear it on the airwaves. That is the most inflection I've heard in that voice. Yeah, the he's, whole time. So he must be excited. Yeah, for the listeners out there, he is he's jumping out of the screen with excitement. That is, it, it's as excited as the voice gets. Do you practice? Do you practice kind of just sitting there and talking like a robot? Yeah, well, you know, it started in started at Madison actually when I was a prefect, and I've just sort of sort of let it rip 
even more throughout life, you know. It's gotten, gotten more, more impressive, I think. Secondary school teacher since we last met him on the Nodcast. So before we get into the footy, how, how's the teaching going, Jake, and how do your students appreciate the monotone? Yeah, I think they... I actually haven't asked the uh, the current batch that I'm that I'm teaching at the moment if they like the monotone, but um, yeah, I, th- I think they I think they get around it. I think I think um, putting putting a few YouTube clips on, you know, masks the monotone a little bit, so it's good. <laughs> Definitely a staple of the current teacher. Very good. Well, we should mention as well as in addition to having a very even keeled voice jake you're also back again as a assistant coach down at the women's program for 2022 yeah uh looking forward to that very much so um pretty bullish about this year i think i think the women the women's program have a, have a great chance at uh achieving some success this year so yeah very happy to be back with them jake, you... jake is very media trained as we can tell so he's going to be perfect for this medium Absolutely. Did you, obviously we've had a Paul Deegan step down as a coach and we've had a bit of turnover in the coaching ranks at the women's department. Did you, obviously you've hung on for another year. What was it in your goal kicking coaching last year that just cemented that they had to get you back if they were going to be any serious about 2022? Um, I, I think that was sort of forced to have me really. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the four line it operated pretty well last year to be honest I think we kicked the most goals out of um, any previous season so I don't know if that was due to anything but you know me getting involved seriously as an assistant for the first time but you know I'll let everyone else figure that one out Did you continue on this year with the goal kicking is that part of your duties or have you relinquished that to someone else? No, I've, uh, I'm still doing the four-line coach, but um, right. I don't think I'm doing a very good job to start the season. I was going to say that. Nine goals, 18, Nine, 18 on weekend. Yeah, interesting. Well, it's good to get those cobwebs out, especially when you win the game by 72 points. You can, can afford to have a bad one. So we might move along. Uh, we, we've said goodbye to Sam, but... Uh, that's probably about the only negative going on because footy's back. We last season, as we documented on the Nodcast, fizzled off a little bit with COVID sort of shutting down the back end. And we had a few teams that were making deep runs either to challenge for finals or potentially premierships. And unfortunately that didn't amount to too much with the season being called off. Uh, I think we had our minor premiers in the under 19s, which was a little bit of consolation, but it's fair to say probably most, of the players have come back this year and everyone's very excited for a full year. So the predominant purpose of this episode is just a bit of a season preview. And I think around the club, we've seen a little bit of a shift in the off season. So we might work through teams one by one. Maybe we might kick off Rob with the seniors and and reserves, I guess as well. How the preseason months been treating the season, the team. We've obviously got Peter Banfield back again. We've picked up some good young players looking pretty good on the track and pumped for a big 2022. Yeah, absolutely. So started back in November, which obviously a while back now, guys were pretty excited to get back together after a disappointing end to last season. We, the seniors had had a really good win in Ivanhoe, if you might remember, and we're on the March to September. 
But it's been a really strong preseason. We welcomed back Shawnee Lovell, Jacob Murdoch, Tom McKenna, three really strong players who played some really good footy at Mazinov previously. And also um, a lot of guys from the under-19s have come up and had really strong preseasons. Jordy McDonald, Jack Caspers, uh, Eamon McKenzie, uh, Lockie Stewart. So there's been a few guys. Ethan Sherlock is another one. So a, a core group of guys have stepped up from, from there. And it's going to add to a lot of depth and make selection really difficult this season. Uh, you know, the round one match, which we'll get into a little bit later, um, didn't go the way we wanted, but there was definitely some guys in, in both teams really putting their hand up and showing that they're developing after strong pre-seasons. Also, you know, we've got some, uh, we've got to make some replacements. We, we've lost a couple of guys. Sam Deegan, not only is um, omitted from the Nodcast, but also from the twos at the moment. He's, he's going to have to work his way up from the, um, the pink runners singlet based on the, the weekend. So, you know, there's, there's a change of foot at the club and, you know, but it's a really exciting place to be. I think we're, we'll build on the, from last year. Yeah, um, Rob, so I think you forgot um, one of the new recruits or to the ones. Uh, did you mention Fletcher Ford, the, the club's new pence, pencil? Great point. I, did, I forgot to mention Fletch and he's uh, he played a really good game in his, in his debut on Saturday out of Norman. You know, back up Ruckman, he's probably 6'7 or so. He's, he's tall, he's, he's lean, he's probably about 67 kilos too. So He's, he's pretty light, but he showed he showed a bit on the weekend. I was quite impressed. He's got a good pair of hands. He's got good tap work. Really going to – Peter Banfield knows how to spot that second ruckman. He, he definitely made a player out of Big Mac last year. And as we know, his brother went on to get drafted on the back of one of Mac's performances at, at Founders Day. So we're, um, we're pretty excited what Fletch could probably do this year, supporting Pete Rosanides in the ruck. Are you suggesting that Fletcher's brother is going to get drafted? Is that the connection that you just made, or just anything good things come know, to Peter's know. second ruckman? I don't think Fletch has a brother, unfortunately. <laughs> but you know, his his dad Tim is a deputy principal of the college. He's a great man, and so it might be positive things for the Ford family. Oh, very, very good. It's it would be the the most famous Ford family the world's ever encountered. I'm sure. Uh, the other thing interesting about Fletcher Ford is number 61. Big yeah, number. Little... Is, that, is that the highest number we've ever seen running around in the ones? Surely not, but one of the highest would, in recent memory. Wouldn't have thought so, but there's a little, maybe there's a little bit of connection uh, with the number six Guernsey that's been sort of a household name for a while at the club. So wants to be connected with that. I'm not sure. I was fortunate enough to present Fletcher's jumper on the weekend. Little bit of numerology there, Steve. I know you're a big fan. <laughs> I think the um, I think the highest number in the ones has actually been uh, cheesy Tom Patterson, sixty nine potentially, or was he seventy? Ooh, he might have won seventy. That might be a good call. But the one one and done cheesy after getting a best on amazing amazing performance and one of the the great quirks of Mazenod history that he. He was able to play one senior game and get a best on and not to return. So hopefully after the performance he put on the weekend, he, he might be knocking down the door again. Well, why would you ever bother going back? If you if you're best on, you just just that's enough. Just retire there. And in fact, actually, 
we can let the listeners know that as we were discussing potential guests for round one or upcoming weeks, Cheesy's name was floated and he responded and just said, I'll do it once and it will be the best one ever. So save me, save me for when you really need it. So we didn't get him on tonight. We don't need it tonight, but he's obviously, he's a bit of a sort of one trick pony. The other, the other person I keen to mention would be Sammy Michael, obviously a big listener of the show and someone that we really uh, boosted his profile last year through the Nodcast has stepped up to be the third captain of the seniors this year with Tom and I. So Sammy, after a massive year, best and fairest win has taken it to another level um, captaincy this year, which is really, really exciting for him and the club. Um, obviously they've, they've noticed that the two other captains are getting on. So they're transitioning us out and a new one in, which is probably a, a smart move and also exciting for Benny Riley to lead the twos, Obviously, the Rileys have a strong history at the club of leadership with his dad, Peter, being a former captain. So great to see Benny um, calling the shots and, and, you know, managing the whiteboard or the magnets um, in, the, in the twos. I, d- I did hear it was a proactive move in just trying to get Franny Pileschi a little bit further away from making all the moves in the twos, just put someone who's, you know, got a bit of that in them themselves just to make sure that everyone else gets a bit of a say, but no, it is, it, it is fantastic to see. Um, the resis this year, Rob, looking based both on just, I guess, the general depth, but also round one form looking very strong. Yeah, absolutely. So as I was saying, those guys from the other 19s, a lot of them played in the reserves in round one and gave them a lot of run and carry. Jack Caspers in particular, our man, from the 19s last year, kicked a bag of six on reserves debut, which was a great effort. And then you've got our man as well, Jezza Pileski running around, doing what he wants, delivering the ball. Aiden Noons, uh, he did a, he did some great work also. A uh, bit of a mishap in the goal square, I believe, and sort of fumbled a certain goal, but oh, no. he worked through that. And then some um, staples of yesteryear still need to work their way back in. You know, Hazy missed on the weekend. He, he's he's coming back after a delayed Both, Hayes. Both Hazy's missed on the weekend. Still yeah, come back so, in. Yeah, obviously plenty of depth and exciting times ahead for the twos, I'm sure. Shawnee Campbell's got them exactly where he wants them. Breathing fire. It's what a pretty about, intimidating what? forward line with the two Pileshis, the dream team down there. There's some opposition yeah. defences who'd be getting... Not a lot of sleep on a Friday night, I would have thought. And especially they're they're pretty different the way they go about it. You know, Jez is obviously a big lead up, cruncher pack type, and then you've got Franny scooping on the crumbs. So, you know, as a tandem, a bit of Larky and Zerha about the way they go about it, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Rob. But uh, I'm interested to see who really you know, attains the mantle of the number one Jez in the team by the end of the season? Because we've got, like, also Jez Walsford in the ruck. Bit of an interesting Ooh. ruck option, but he was he's the number one ruck this year, I'm pretty sure, for the resi. So, you know, a few Jezzes strolling around there. Yeah, it's true. He he moves all right, um, big Jez Walsford. He, I think he's, he's probably found his ideal playing weight after probably going a little bit too lean last season and, um, not quite as big as his under-19 day. So he's found that perfect Goldilocks balance right now where he's 
strong body, but also mobile enough to get around the field. So pretty exciting what he's doing and getting his good mate Jacob Murdoch back to the club too. He's, I think he's pretty excited and could be someone's pushing for ones later in the year to play with his old mate. But, you know, there's excitement in the ones and the twos, but there's serious excitement swirling around in the threes. And it's not just the threes now. They've, they've, they've had such a recruiting boom in the last couple of months that they've had to inaugurate the first ever fourth team at Mazinot. We're not, we're not talking about the career club, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about the footy club having a fourth team. And I, I think you needed to tell us the story from the very start, Steve. How, how did this come about and how did this history get made this season? We're coming off the back of a pandemic when you think, you know, not to be impolite, but the pandemic may have affected the thirds more than any other team being in the age profile. And, you know, a lot of guys that um, we know there's a workers shortage around. So I'm, I just want to know how, how this came about. No, well, look, it's just a, it's just a continuation of the momentum that's been building for a number of years. We 2017 as recently as then didn't even have a, a thirds or clubbies team. And, 2018, we sort of started to build, got the band back together of a few of the, the former ones and twos players. And 2019, we, we built a bit more and had some good depth of numbers. Obviously, the pandemic sort of was a bit of a hiccup in the road, but we've, you know, I think we've sort of rebranded as a clubbies more so than a thirds. And it's just, it's a big group of guys and a few, you know, made up of some smaller groups of guys who just want to play footy together. You know, we train a bit later for professional type roles or people with kids who can't get to training at the normal times and, you know, can't get there till 7.30 or something. And look, it's just, it's a really good feeling. We've got, we've got a big group of guys that sort of have really committed. We've been, you know, which is very unusual for, for clubbies or thirds footy to be, you know, having 30, 40, 50 guys training in November, December, but we've had a really big group training all the way through. And we sort of had to, really convinced the club to let us to let us go because it's sort of uncharted territory when we said we wanted an extra team. But yeah, we've got we've got a huge amount of numbers. There's about 55, 60 guys sort of who are really committed to playing. And then there's more on top of that who'd sort of be happy to jump in and help out. So we decided to pull the trigger and go with the two teams and the whites and the blues. And um yeah, it's it's been it's been really good. It's really it, it's really a fun type of environment, you know, it's, it's not quite the same as seniors and twos footy where it's a bit more serious. We have a drink after the game. We get involved in punters clubs. We train once a week, but we've got some pretty talented players and we've worked pretty hard. So we think both sides will be pretty competitive this year as well. I heard that early in the preseason, one of the, the new thirds recruits to the club, put a post out on the thirds page asking guys if anyone wanted to do a four or five K run, pre-training yep. on the on the night of the training that that seems like a cultural shift from what we're used to <laughs> yeah well the real cultural shift is he's got about 15 blokes that do it we do it together every week so we wouldn't have had 15 blokes to training over a month a couple of years ago it's a real different shift i think last week pre-round one we had 51 players on the track which is just a, a completely different thing but as we said we're um we're trying to just we've tried to build something that works around the guys that play in a team and everyone seems to be buying into it, which is really good. The other thing as well is we've sort of made light of the, the age profile of the side. And obviously we've still got a few older guys who, you know, have played a fair bit of senior footy over their careers and are now just sort of happy to, to sort of take a step back and train a little less and play the early time slots. But 
there is a really big group of young guys, probably half the team are under 25 as well. So it's been a great injection of youth and enthusiasm and pace, which was probably missing into the team, which has really helped as well. So we're very excited for this year. It should be good. Tom's loving having the whites where he's got a bunch of young guys to mold and shape into his own image, which is what Tom DeYoung's all about. And, and obviously our dad, John, is coaching the blues and he's pretty competitive. So we'll no doubt have a, uh, have a good year with a team that looks pretty talented as well. So uh, Steve, what's the uh, leadership group looking like down in the uh, thirds? Yeah. So we've got, uh, so the, the, the blue side, um, I've been given, I'm sure it's the last one, but one more year as captain. And we've got Rick Ruffalo and Nick Clavins, both as the two vice captains. And then in the whites, uh, Josh Kawaji, who brought half the team himself, he's done a huge job recruiting um, and he's a great young leader. He's the captain. And then we've got Sam Karag, who pinged the hammy in the practice match last year, doing proper authentic thirds type stuff. And Duncan Dryberg as the two vice captains. Duncan immediately endeared himself to the whole club by just bringing a slab with him to the game on Saturday, uh, even though most of the team is on their pee plates and can't drink it. So he went home with most of a slab, but obviously demonstrating the right sort of leadership down at clubbies. Do, you, do the thirds and the fourths, so the blues and the whites, do they ever play at the same time or will they always be separate venues? Uh, now we've got a couple of games where we do a double header. That's so cool. the bowls club would want to put a few bar staff on that week. Um, but no, we, we, but this week and last week, both played nine fifteen games at different places. So we're generally going to be split. Unfortunately, just the nature of the different divisions in the fixture. And uh, does it act as a, a ones and a twos equivalent? So, you know, selection up and down, or is it sort of two distinct teams? What's the, what's the governance model that you guys are using at the moment? It's just one big, one big team with two different sides that run out every week. It's not not a ones and twos per se. There's just sort of different groups. I think the coaches are trying to balance playing guys with their mates who've come down to play together. Obviously, the Blues were a couple of divisions higher, so I'd say probably if the two teams played each other, you'd want to give a little bit more of the um, of, of the sort of talented players into the Blues generally just because it's a bit more difficult division but generally speaking the the talent split split pretty well across the two teams Um, a great example of that is when you've got twos guys like last week who um, are you know hadn't trained or didn't get picked in the twos basically they were split evenly across the two sides so definitely not a threes and fours blues and whites it's all clubbies where you know, hopefully going to have two really successful teams and everyone gets a good year of playing with their mates. Obviously, it's challenging, particularly being the third and fourth teams in the club because we're going to get smashed around week to week with availability. So guys will probably play a fair bit of footy in both teams, but everyone's pretty up okay with that and pretty committed to trying to make both teams good. I wasn't expecting the uh, <laughs> the long-winded media response um, and pre, pre-learned um, answer to that question I was more expecting you to I was trying to figure out whether or not we could have a Grantham where someone could will break Grantham's record up was it oh fourth to Steve one Grantham to someone went three two one can we get a four three two one journeyman to go through the ranks Ooh, this year that's what I'm interested in so 
For those people out there that don't know, we're referring to Steve Grantham, who was a, a ruckman probably in the 2009, I think, who went 3-2-1. Yeah, that 3-2-1. Era. yeah. no, yeah. he went 3-1-2. I've never seen it again. Amazingly went 3-1-2. No, it was 1-2-3, sorry. 1-2-3. No, and no, he might have gone back down, but he's, I think he went up too, didn't he? I, th- I thought he, he played round one in the ones and then was twos and then was threes by round three. That was my memory not, of it. We'll have to go the, check uh, the archives. It's not, not as good a story. I agree. It's not the story that's anyway. been used uh, to, to motivate players for the last 10 years. It's, it's a story used to motivate players not to get dropped from the ones. You could end up in the fifths the way that the club's headed. No, it, it could happen. Uh, if you look at a couple of the guys that played in the blues on the weekend, um, I reckon like Deng could play once at some stage over the course of the year. Um, was runner-up in the BNF last year. Played, played a ones game last year, but that's a 3-2-1. We want a 4 yeah, No, nah, but there'll, there'll be guys, like, that's it, it's chance he played in that team. He could, if you have a look this week and next week, over the next couple of weeks, there'll undoubtedly be some guys who potentially play ones that will play in the whites as well. And so, that's, that's smart too, having, calling it blues and whites. Because you, you may not, unless you really check the fine print, you might not know if you're in the fours or the threes. So, Bit of, <laughs> bit of mind games from Peter Banfield there, I reckon. So, well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know. But like, if you use it like a Sammy Deegan as an example, who obviously I think put his hand up pretty late. So, um, as you said, he's working his way up from the pink trainers jumper or the, the runners jumper. But he, he, if he played, if he was going to play threes or fours, like, oh, it would be blues or whites. So there's no, no hierarchy to it. So he could quite easily find himself starting in the whites. Might work his way into the blues at some stage. Could be twos. And obviously, knowing Sammy and given his lookalike, he's already playing ones at the moment. Ethan Sherlock, or not Ethan Sherlock, sorry, the other Sherlock. Um, he he could easily. Damien Sherlock. <laughs> yeah. Liam. Liam, I think, is the one we're talking about. Yeah, I've got another I've got another one as well. I think it could go fours to ones. Uh, past Mazamon student Matt Acarito. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he played uh, whites on the weekend. He's a good player too. He could he could definitely work his way up. Yeah, I think he's had a bit of ones experience at other clubs, even Mazenon potentially in the past. I'm not sure. But yeah, I think I don't know how serious he's treating it, but you know, he's one to potentially look out for. Yeah, well, you wouldn't. There's only one of the four teams that's not undefeated at the moment. So I don't know how much he'd even want to play once at this point in time. Guy like Acker, he's just sitting there pretty in the whites, undefeated. Might just might just keep it that way for a couple more weeks. Was that a little low blow there, Rob? Or, or it was. <laughs> it was. Um, let, let's move on. We've probably spent enough time on the on the clubbies teams. The the nineteens this year, obviously, coming off the juggernaut of last year, but as always with nineteens, and in particular because of the age extension temporarily with COVID, big influx, which has obviously bolstered the ones and twos, but it's. It's meant that we've gone from two 19 sides back to one this year, which um, which obviously they're still in Division One. So some very familiar names in this year. Uh, what are you guys hearing about how the 19s are shaping up? Yeah, I think I think someone like a uh, Eamon McKenzie, who clearly a, a ones prospect in the coming years, he played really well in a practice match. He's he's playing 19s on the weekend, and you know he's a he's a really strong performer, and they've got a lot of depth. From what I've seen, good numbers on the track. I suppose going from two teams to one means they've consolidated some of those guys who would maybe not get to play together. And there's some definitely some strong footballers 
from last year's uh, Whites team that have come up into the the 19s ones this year that will be strong performers. Blokes like Julian Smith, who cut his teeth as a water boy for us in the seniors for many years, and he now stepping into the under-19s. And James Russell, Tristan Fernandez, you've got some um, real talent, I think, there to, that needs to be developed. But it's exciting times in the 19s, I reckon. Jakey, have you got you got your ear to the ground and what's going on over there? Is, is a little Jimmy Little still in the 19s or has he moved Yeah, to true. He was unlucky not to get drafted in the mid-season draft last year. And his good mate, Miller Bergman, from Asnod did. But, yeah, great to see your, your relations, of James. Yeah, just the big cuz. So, I've, actually, I've taught him a bit in the gym over summer. So, he's looking a bit beefy. So, it's, it's good to see. <laughs> That's good. If the AFL's lost that we've, we've got him back for another year. Um, I'm I'm really excited. I've heard two names just over and over again over the preseason. Adrian De Siero, apparently. Oh, Dechi, yeah. Dechi's a is Never a heard of him until. But the big one, and there's this is coming from everywhere, opposition clubs as well, Nicholas Hannah Montano. Montano just apparently trained a house down over preseason. Don't know a lot about him, but apparently yeah, so big- he's a lock for the BNF. Big booming kick out of defence. He's a he's a full back of the the Steve Oldman mold sort of yeah. Dow defender. But he can um, kick, and, and and still one of those full backs that wants to do it himself from the kickouts too. So studying law at Monash University, and you know in his spare time studying um, studying full back craft. So he'll be he'll be one to watch this year, I reckon. Wow, he kind of been. Um... Following in the school of Chuck Oldman, if he actually kicks the ball, because I don't know if he Chuck kick it once in his 200 game career. That was a lesson that he learned after over many years of turning it over. So early in his career, I think he used to kick it. I still remember him missing the ball, clean, fresh airing it one day out at Central Reserve. Um, Yeah, that's that's one of the great videos. Still, it still exists. Of he goes. Runs, misses, and then turns back to handball. And instead of handballing, he panics and throws it and gets a free kick. <laughs> calamity of errors. Uh, what about uh, just to wrap up the uh, 19s um, team there, Rob? What about our boy? Is it Lockie Stewart? Oh, yeah, yeah Lockie Stewart. He, he's too. looking like an exciting prospect. So he's, he's a utility that probably will find his. Um, his career really kick off from the in the back half. Looks like someone you know could intercept a fan, run and carry. Strongly built in the Jake Charman mold this preseason. So yeah, I definitely reckon Lockie Stewart. A lot of prospect. Um, he'll be he'll be one to watch coming up the ranks this year for sure. Very good. And then of course, finally, and and. We've, we've got the two feeder teams, which we'll cover on a future episode because their season hasn't uh, kicked off yet. But the women's program, Jake, which obviously has your fingerprints absolutely all over it, um, a bit of a change in the coaching ranks, but no, no change on the field in terms of the form. Um, the, the, we trained after the girls tonight and they're looking pretty good on the track and could win round one in the seniors at least. Obviously, the resis didn't get a game with a forfeit, but... Um, pretty pumped for for another big year after finalists last year and who knows how deep you would have gone yeah for sure Steve um, 
bit of a transition period over the summer. Deegs, after you know servicing and well, he really, I think he was the catalyst for the women's program down at the Nod for the past five years. Um, he's out and Stel Michael, uh, father of Al, who's already been in the team for the past few years, he's put his hand up and um, yeah, it's looking very exciting. Um, got to probably do a bit of a shout out to Paul after all the effort he's done the last five years. So. Thanks for that, Paul. But um, would yeah. Paul be a bit of a mentor to you, Jake? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. He's uh, he's taken me under his wing. I was, I was pretty annoying probably at the start initially. The last probably three years ago, didn't have much experience, and he let me hang around him and you know gain <laughs> all his knowledge. I th- he's he doesn't shy away from telling anyone that. He's the only coach at Mad- in Mazenod history to win two flags in two separate teams in the same year. But yeah, it's a fair it's record. Pretty, pretty handy that. record to have, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. But um, yeah, we probably shouldn't talk about that too much, or else we'll get a big head. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's looking good this year, twenty twenty two for the women's program. Um, like in terms of numbers, I think it's really impressive. Um, I've heard around the traps, you know, a lot of other women's programs have struggled to even get a second team this year. And the fact that we've got enough numbers to have two teams still, I think um, it's a fantastic, you know, outlook for 2022. And um, it probably speaks to the the coaches that we have on offer in the program as well. I would say Jakey, wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, they've done a heap of work behind the scenes um, this year, uh, getting getting girls down um, and even, you know, getting other players to recruit their friends. We've got a fair few new recruits down there this year. Um, well, speak, speak, speak us, talk us through those, I should say, Jakey. What are some there, of the names? Yeah, I, I'm very interested in this bring a friend sort of approach that's that's really set up the, the resis in particular. Yeah, well, we, we really had to. We were sort of lacking a few. Um, a few big, big name players walked out the door, including, uh, unfortunately, the... Premier C Women's League BNF Adele Curley went on to greener pastures and uh, we always love seeing our players she's moved on to VFL now playing for Frankston Dolphins I think if I if I've got that correct but um so that's a big loss but I think we filled filled the void um few returning players um my sister Bridie managed to sort of encourage her to get her down again uh Maddie Little um, cousin of Brighty getting down as well, which is good. So they, I think they both have win the premiership team in the first year. So it's good to have them back. And then new players, um, the bring a friend model has been been very successful. Um, got a got a few. I got a player from RMIT. So we're actually stealing a few Ooh. from other Vafa clubs, but um, highly educated actually, too. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. I actually haven't sussed the degree or anything but yeah is <laughs> Maddie Little I'm assuming Maddie yeah that's right Maddie Little related to James Little yeah the brother sister combo there so it's good to see them both at the club have you prepared as a coach obviously uh, you strategize for any situation have you prepared that you'll probably lose her mid-season when she nominates for the AFL draft or the AFLW draft I should say yeah well we're, we're just waiting for that to happen, really. Um, she'll probably nominate herself like a younger brother, but 
Um, we'll just take it as many games as we can get out of it, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Good to see Lara Del Conte back. I know she was a big favourite of the podcast last year. And even though Sam might be on the outer in the podcast ranks, Claudia Maguire, another one who's just a solid performer every year, get her back to continue her lead as the all-time games played record holder for the women's. Yeah, Claude, um, she's a stalwart down in the uh, women's program and decided to just concentrate on the footy this year and step away from the leadership group. But, um, yeah, she's going to continue to be a great player. I know that for sure. And um, Lara, well, she's – I think she she think she was the Coleman medals, medalist for the team last year. I don't even know what the, the goal-kicking award – do even have one at Masnod, but we'll just roll with it. It's an Conti um, medalist, I guess. Yeah, so I don't know. yeah we can just probably call that. Yeah, that's fine. But um, now she's actually probably going to be a bit in and out this season. Unfortunately, got to got to down at the pies, doing a, doing something down there. So we'll just take her when we can get her. But um, she was handy on the what, weekend, nevertheless. What about how's Nicola going? Your your partner Jake. Obviously, I'm sure you work closely with her in the preseason to do a few extras and whatnot. How, how's her season looking? Yeah, I think it's going to be definitely promising. Um, in the intra-club games, she uh, played pretty well, so I'm excited to see what she can throw into the mix. Um, bit of a utility. has been played forward, back in the ruck over the past couple of years, so a um, bit of jack-of-all-trades. It's good. I can see her well handing you the notes on, on her as well. And speaking of you and Nicola, it, it does raise it. It just popped into my mind, but one of Mazinod's premier power couples, and we touched on Diggs and Claudia earlier, who would be the, the number one Mazinod power couple, do you reckon? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I'm a bit disappointed that Rob's... Oh, yeah, Rob and Molly back in the day. Yeah, that would have been in the mix. Who else is... We might, we, we well, might actually, have to... We'll, we'll return to that one in a future episode. No, Steve, I've got one for you. The thirds, Joshy, what's his name? Josh, the captain, Josh, how do you say his last name? Kawaji, yeah. Kawaji, sorry. Bit of a tongue twist to that one, but his partner's playing in the women's team. So, um, Who's that? Who's that? He keeps very quiet, Joshy, about his his off-field life. I I think it's it's Anthea. Is it Anthea? I don't know. Sorry, I've, I've put my thumb in it here. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I'm still, I'm still a bit of background research. And I hope, I hope Anthony's boyfriend knows about it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, this could, yeah, this could be very controversial. We, we, we might get shut down. This could be our one episode for the season. Um, so just, just to round us off on the women's, Jake, the both teams, how, what's the feeling of how they'll go this year? Yeah, well, um, if we're looking at, if we're looking at the um, teams who've come in and out, we've got a team from Division 4 and a team from Division 3 rolling up into Prem C due to the fact they've managed to get two teams. So, you know, this looking promising against that sort of opposition. We've got a fair few teams remaining in Prem C and then probably our biggest rival besides St. Bede's who have remained in Prem C, which is Aquinas. They've actually gone up, so... Ooh. We're quite excited about our chances. Um, 
Are the Brunswick yeah. team still there? We've always had a bit of a, a rivalry with the Brunswick Renegades. Yeah, the Brunswick teams are still there. Um, I've got my ear to the ground, and apparently they're both struggling for numbers. We versed one of them, the, the North Brunswick team, on the weekend, and they were, well, as you can ev- you can evidently check the scores, the seconds had to uh, forfeit. So we we want to run away, ran away winners there without even having to grace the field. But um, the other the other Brunswick team, the team we've uh, managed to create a fantastic partnership and have a the pride round going on later on this season with them. But um, yeah, I think they're struggling to get numbers as well. So uh, I think it's like we've already covered. It's one of those unfortunate transition years in local footy with um, due to COVID um, and teams are struggling to get numbers and it's hit the women's programs too. But um, it's great to see Mazinod yet got the two teams still and I think we can do very well this year. Very good. Um, all right. Well, look, thank you both for, for the previews. Um, I think we'll quickly do a run through of round one and boys jump in if you've got any comments. The seniors, as was touched on earlier, went down 103 to 49 against Ormond. Pretty close. We led at half, uh, sorry, we led early and kind of only 16 points at halftime, but they ran away with it, Rob. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't play that well. Uh, and, you know, Ormond, you know, credit to them. They, they took their opportunities and sort of ran away with it in the last quarter. But, yeah, I think you'll see a, a more spirited effort from the boys this week against Old Geelong. The senior women's, uh, as we just touched on, got the job done quite comfortably against North Brunswick. 9-18, a very inaccurate 72 to no score. Good tune-up yeah. to start the year, Jake. Yeah, it was pretty comprehensive, um, but I don't think the score reflected the true game. It was a bit of a slog initially. Um, Brunswick put up a pretty big fight, um, and it, like, they made the contest, uh, or the game, sorry, very contested, which is, I think, what we needed for a round one tune-up. Um I think the girls ran out of legs a little bit at the end, but I think that's probably every team for round one. Um, and that's where we started kicking all the points. So that's my excuses forwards, coach. We were actually quite accurate up until the last quarter. So just want to defend my case just early there. Yeah, six, yeah you're right. One goal, six in the last quarter. That's fair. Um, the Rezies men uh, got the job done 12, 12, 84 to 3, 7, 25 against Ormond. Uh, I think Ormond might have had a few guys unavailable round one from what I hear, um, but still really solid win to start the year. Jack Casper's kick six um, and great to see the Pelleshi's teaming up for four goals. Just a, a nice start to the year and with some pretty talented Resis players from last year still to come back that were playing in some of the clubbies teams and, and not playing on the weekend. You, you think they're hopefully going to be right in the mix this year? Yeah, and... and- the, the level of skill displayed, considering it was really wet, especially at that point of the day, really impressive in a small ground at Ormond. The boys were able to shift the ball and move it quickly and look really good. So, yeah, very promising signs. The Resi's women, unfortunately, well, fortunately, I guess the win's a win, but had a forfeit on the weekend, so we didn't see any footy from them. But what happened there, Jake? They still had to rock up. I, I saw a photo of a pregame circle or some sort of, I don't know, it looked like some sort of hazing initiation or something going on. Don't know what that was, but shed any light for us. Yeah, well, um, Georgia Anderson, I actually forgot to mention earlier, she's 
continuing her role as the uh, Rezies coach. So shout out to Georgia there for good luck for 2022 with the Rezies. But um, yeah, they, yeah, they actually got to the ground, a lot of the girls, and then were doing their pre-game stuff and then found out from Brunswick that they just couldn't get a team together. Um, I think they were initially, Brunswick were going in with 19 players and we'd agreed to do 16 aside. And then they, I think they said they had six outs like two hours before the game or even less time than that. So it was a bit disappointing, but the girls still went through with their pre-game stuff. It was nice um, to... You know, introduce a few of the new girls into the club with the jumper presentation ceremony. Um, and I think you know training we, session. Did Georgia put him put them to the sword with a training session? Uh, I'm not actually sure about that. I did see a few of them having a kick of the footy, but in saying that tonight, don't want to mention any names. Maybe little Vetti might have been going for a few running blocks after training as a makeup Ooh. for the game. Ooh. Like so, that. Pretty pretty serious down in there in the women's resies. We might have to um invest a little bit of the clubby's punters club money on the resi women this year. I like so hearing that there's that level of dedication this early in the year. The under nineteens came up against St Bede's Mentone and got done uh, St Bede's Mentone 118 Mazanite 8856. So relatively comprehensively beaten. Uh, a lot of familiar names that we've mentioned, Lockie Stewart, um, Joshua Boyle was good as well. Uh, there's a Pascuzzi kicking goals in every team at the moment. In this one, it was Mark and Daniel O'Driscoll, who I think is one of the captains this year, um, got two himself, Hayden Boyce amongst the goals and the better players again. Uh, probably not the start they were looking for, but as you said earlier, Rob's a fair bit of talent in that team. So hopefully they'll be, up and about this year. Yeah, again. and it's always it's always hard to win at St. Bede's away. It's a bit similar to the Ormond ground. It's it's a small postage stamp there. And yeah, I think I think that's probably a good, probably a good um, first match. And I'm sure they'll work into the season. Very good. And then the two clubbies teams, as we touched on earlier, the blues, we got the job done 108 to 1. Um, they blew the siren a little bit early, actually, which says a fair bit about the age of some of the players on both of the teams that the injuries were starting to mount up. But um, really good first hit out for us. Uh, a few of the new players getting amongst the goals and the, the two Mazio brothers, Josh and Adrian, kicking five between them. Um, we're good in a lot of the, the familiar guys getting amongst the best players in the goals as well. Um, was handy. We had Sid DeCruz, who's probably predominantly going to be a resi's sort of full forward, just... Wandering around down there, he kicked a couple too, which was good. And a uh, nice little start to the year for us against a team that ended our year last year, actually, late in the season. We should have beaten them. We didn't. And that was what put us out of finals contention. And then the Clubbies Whites got the, I'd say it's fair to say, the first ever fourth Mazenod team that's ever taken the field has meant that Mazenod fourth teams are undefeated all time by getting a one-point win against Canterbury. In the dying seconds, it was pretty tight most of the day. And uh, as it went right down to the wire, Alex Dabb just kicked the point that awesome. lost the game with a few seconds to go. And the boys just locked it down out on the wing till the siren went. So pretty exciting way to finish the first start there for the Whites. Could you say he dabbed the win or is that a bit? He dabbed it through. No, you're right. That's a very, very that's the headline. If, if you celebrate? I'm interested in what, what movie used as his celebration. 
Not too sure, but it could have been. It could have been a dab. It could have been. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> um, he's a young guy too, so no doubt it was something that you'd find on Fortnite. Um, so it, it, it was good. Couple of couple of little injuries, but uh, great to see and really good. One of the really good feel good stories about that win and and that team was we mentioned Josh earlier. Um, I think Josh has there's a group of fourteen of them who've all come down together wanting to play this year. Probably won't happen every week, but all 14 played in that team together. So pretty, pretty cool thing to get, you know, 14 of your mates play a game for you together and get a one-point win in your first game. Did they have to close Bunnings for that day so all the boys could be down? All have been very well planned in getting their Saturdays off for the season. So it was good. Very good, exciting start to the year for those guys. As we mentioned, three of our teams, the two feeder teams and the Resi women haven't kicked the season off yet, but apart from that, a pretty pretty successful round one across the board with only the 19s and the senior men getting done, and we move on to round two. Um, now, two things just to close us out, boys. The first one, which we haven't mentioned yet, but I think is definitely worthy of a mention, we broke the story last year. You heard it here first about the jumper change, and, of course, on the weekend, all Mazinad teams ran out for the first time in the new strip, which was pretty... Uh, I guess a pretty momentous occasion for the club. What was what was it like to play in it, Rob and and Jake? I guess the girls were already wearing something quite similar, so not a big change there. But what have you guys been hearing feedback? Yeah, I I, I like the new Guernsey. I, I I part of me definitely misses the the blue as well. I've got very fond memories of wearing the the traditional Guernsey, but it is exciting to wear something new and. We've got the. It's not just the design. It's the. It's the new material that we're using. We've got the Pro Fit this year, which, it's it's a new. It's a whole new world. It's uh something as, as the metabolism slowing down. It's it's really got to keep me um, thinking about what I eat week to week as I prepare for a game because, she's very tight and um you know, one week of not eating the the salads could definitely. Um, be cause for concern. So uh, it's exciting. It's and the, the the new Guernsey haven't haven't worn the white version yet. That um, that's still something to come maybe later in the year for the clash strip. But yeah, the black the black looked good. It, it uh, I think the the boys enjoyed wearing it, and, and as I said, enjoyed wearing the new new kit. But one thing on that, I just wanted to mention that the profit's been the the, the cut of choice for a lot of the players. Interesting though. Someone that's that takes a lot of time and pride in in the, what they wear, and we broke the story last year as part of a whisper that Simon Hall took his jumper to get it um, tailored to make sure that it fitted a little bit nicer. Surprisingly, Simon has not elected to choose the pro fit cut of jumper this season, and, and was seen wearing quite a baggy, almost a Paddy Ryder sort of cut of jumper <laughs> on the weekend. So long sleeves. Uh, he had the short sleeves on as well, which surprised was, a few. Ooh. So it was, um, yeah, interesting. Mm. He must have, uh, he must have got a bit of feedback off one Daniel Hayes about the, was it the profit? Is it? Yeah, because I remember Hayes mentioning night one after getting his new jumper that very tight on the sleeves, but you know showed the <laughs> showed the summer. Yeah, it can, it can definitely, it definitely, and I know Hawley's coming off a, he's coming off a wedding season and he's got a, 
he's got a honeymoon plan in July too. So he might be just preparing himself for, um, you know, the little trip to Greece and a couple of Sulakis and, you know, he doesn't want to put himself in a vulnerable position. We'll wait and see. He might be playing two steps ahead of us. But, yeah, it, was, it did catch my eye. I was a little bit surprised with the, the new Guernsey. Well, it, it's high risk, isn't it? When you, off the back of a big preseason, get fitted up for a tailor-made absolute skin-fitting jumper and then you've got to somehow keep that body for the entire year. And it was the way I they don't blame those that didn't take the risk. It was the way they fit us too. Like we did a, we did like a six, six, four hundreds um, running block. And then we ran off and got fitted. So most of the guys are dehydrated. They've probably lost a couple of kilos <laughs> they wouldn't normally. And, and then you, you, you're feeling a million bucks and then you come around, you know, week after Easter could be interesting. Just put it that way. Just one I want to end it. Round three. We'll just see how the profits are going there. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I missed out on one because I was away and, uh, Probably not regretting that. I reckon that's probably worked out to be quite quite in my favour. Um, all right. So, look, last last segment for the the inaugural episode for 2022, and of course, that's the weekly whispers. Uh, obviously, a fair bit of activity has been taking place over the course of the preseason, and one of the things that Jake always brought to the table in previous episodes, wherever he was involved, was was some really hard hitting, deep dive sort of undercover type whispers. So. Very excited about what you got to bring to the table for us tonight, Jake. Did you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'm happy to kick us off. Um, start us off with a whisper coming out of the senior men's team. Apparently, uh, you know, as in the past, some AFL teams have gone to you, you know, your Arizona's for the high altitude training before the season started. Now, one of the players in the ones apparently ducked off to Bali overseas and came back only two days before the first game of the season, just rolled Thailand, straight Thailand, I think. I, I oh, think Thailand, I know where you're going Yeah, so that was, uh, that's a little whisper. Um, interesting sort of method on preparation for uh, your first game back in a while, but we'll let that slide. I think um, I can add a little, I think I can add a little bit to that whisper. It's having, you know, being a little bit concerned, this player's been away from the club for a couple of years and I, I asked him about his strategy and he said, it's more of a Dennis Rodman need to get out of my system type trip before the season starts. So it was more of a therapeutic trip just to know that, you know, we're not going to miss him throughout the year. He just needs to get done what he needs to get done and then he'll be focused on footy for the rest of the year. So he played well on the weekend. Hopefully that's it now and he can concentrate on footy for now on. Interesting that. that Peter Banfield's been to the Phil Jackson School of Coaching. Just let him go and blow off steam and come back and win championships. So hopefully that's a good omen. Uh, Rob, did you have any yourself? I think Jakey had another one that he wanted to another mention. Another one? Oh, he's loaded. Oh, he's yeah. yeah. This, one, this one's come from... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. Uh, this one's come from uh, one of... Uh, sort of an ex-player in the, the women's program, but we won't, we're not saying names because it is the whisper. Uh, anyway, her, her partner, apparently they've been locked down in their, their house due to some COVID restrictions and um, they've, they've had to sort of, you know, stay in separate rooms and stuff. And she was saying that he was complaining that it was the first time in his life he'd actually had to cook dinner for himself and wash his own clothes just his because life. he's from a very sort of traditional... Italian family, so his his mummy does it 
or had done it for him in the past and now he moved out with his lovely partner and you know had to do that for the first time so that was interesting yeah. any can you give us a hint as to a name oh there's a few of them at the club is it oh, a Pascuzzi? It's a family maybe is it a Pileshi? Oh, i'm not i'm not throwing anyone in the deep yeah no i, I i'm with you jakey that finally a bit of moral gumption that's been lacking from the, the third person <laughs> on this podcast for too long so fair enough so interesting well i've got one uh and this one's it's it's not a whisper it's true but when all whispers are true of course but this one's this one's public but only just public so it's hot off the press um and we've come off a pretty big off season of off-field milestones we we saw joel fitzsimmons welcome his first baby into the world a few weeks ago doing it right and getting all of that sort of stuff done prior to the season starting. Um, and, of course, his partner, another Mazenod power couple, Ashley, another another women's player. Um, they had a, a, thankfully, very, very healthy uh, young girl. And uh, Rob, yourself, you got engaged. That was, that was big off-season news. Congratulations. That's true. Thank you. Um, I think we've had a couple of other. I'm just trying to think back. I think there have been a couple of other engagements that will probably spring to mind. Um, Jake, just put your hand up. You got engaged. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Nick will be pretty stoked if that happened, but maybe that's a few years down the track. Uh, <laughs> no, just another. <laughs> you got me there. That was actually a good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the women's program. Um, one of the one of our sort of early early players. She's actually come back this year. She's a new mum, Sarah Biviano. She she had a kid. Last year and has actually come back to play, so shows the dedication yeah. of some of our women's players. But um, yeah, congratulations to her and her, her partner and their bubs. Great to see. Well, yeah, fantastic news. And actually, the the, the one that I was going to announce, which uh, I believe the birth was actually earlier today, as we record this show, and and this is another one of our women's players, Hannah Woods, and and obviously her partner or husband Ben Woods, who uh, has been a previous guest on the Nodcast, but. Yeah, they welcomed uh, a little one earlier today. Everyone, everyone appears to be healthy, and obviously Hannah was got a big mention last year when she came back after having her first child and best on ground in her first game. So um, we no doubt expect to see her back on the field in a week or two. But well done to them. So baby Leo, what a, the, is he is he fronting up fella. this year in any capacity? Do we know? I think he's uh well, obviously he played played with us last year and I think he's he's intending that he'll probably wander down at some point especially if we get winning by 100 points every week because if anyone loves to try and jump on the coattails of success it's Ben Woods um, obviously he did that in marrying Hannah and I'm sure he'll do it with us this year yeah very good very good I, I've got a little whisper as well player at the club very prominent player who's out injured at the moment has sort of gone to a, um, a few different lengths to make sure the hamstring gets right and he's also decided to to change his look he's very her suit sort of set up generally with a, a thick beard but he's he's remodeled it and if you see him now you'll notice that he's gone the mustache the classic look so keep an eye out for that a red mustache floating around the club bit of a change up for this individual but something that i'm sure may catch on as the year goes on so yeah, keep an eye out for a red mo, and oh. not Ada Noons. Um, Tom Warby. Yeah, another one. There's no, I've, I could never picture him with a mo. That's very interesting. 
Is he? John, I know not, not naming names, not naming no. names, but just, if right, can Warby, you just say this? Tom Warby, his his father Mark has a is famous for the the moustache, so maybe he's that's a grey some... mo. That's more of a sort of seasoned, distinguished type setup. Not the not what you're describing. Let's go. We say very far. I'm, I'm, I'm describing it. It's it looks it suits the man. Put it that way. He's really he's really thought about this look. So yeah, keep an eye out for it. <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, do you have any others, Jake? Before we finish, you, you seem to have just come with two a shotgun in each hand today, ready to fire off in every direction. So we'll give you one last chance in case you got any more. Uh, I think um, we spit out. I'll I'll save myself for next week. Now I think. If I'm getting invited back, that's uh, that is. If the feedback's any good after this first one for 2022, yeah, we'll we'll wait for the metrics. We'll see how they come back. And the analytics definitely don't lie. Um, as Peter Riley, who was one of the more successful guests last year, will will remind all of us any chance he gets. So look, let's let's wrap it up there. I think we've we've done a reasonable job of trying to get through what is a lot of teams for the year, but uh, very excited about season 2022. Um, Looking forward to seeing everyone get back out there for round two on the weekend. Thanks as always, boys. Thanks, Thanks Steve. Steve and Rob. Cheers.